For our text this morning, we focus on Mark 3, especially the verses 31 to 34, but we'll also read the verses 20 and 21. It's after the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's been extremely busy. So in the, he appointed the 12 disciples. And then we hear in verse 20 and 21, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And then we read about that Jesus is accused of doing things by the power of Beelzebub, the devil. And following that, we read verses 31 to 34. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, being disciple of Jesus Christ, being true Christians, that affects all of our life, all of our relationships. And it may at times require great sacrifices which become very difficult when we have become over-attached to what we have here on earth and our present relationships with other people. In the first reading, we heard about this rich young man who appeared very sincere about his faith and he really desired to inherit the eternal life. And we also get the impression that he lived right and honestly tried to serve the Lord, keep all his commandments. But Jesus knew that something stood in the way, that there was a bond with this earthly goods that stood in the way of showing true love for God and for his neighbor. He was too attached to his wealth. And therefore the Lord tested him by saying, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Well, we could just see that man's face drop. He was indeed very sad, not prepared to do what the Lord required at that time. Jesus was important to him, and he thought that Jesus was a very good teacher, but he was not prepared to follow him at that price. And Jesus then pointed out how difficult it was for the rich to enter the kingdom 
Yes, Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who is too attached to things in this world to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples then in amazement asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus reassured them that with man, this will be impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. He can change our hearts. He can change our attitudes. He can renew our values, renew our relationship, so that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ, truly one with him. But that will mean a redefining of our values as well as our relationships, Jesus told us in chapter 10. For then it no longer just speaks about leaving your possessions, but also those who are dear to you, your own family, your home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, being disciple and following, and following Jesus Christ means you have entered a new family, another family, a spiritual family, which supersedes your natural family. And Jesus teaches, his, uh, this, Jesus teaches us, his disciples, as well as us in our text. And that has consequences for how we live together in this new family of believers, but also for our bond in our natural family and its significance. Nothing and no one may stand between the Lord and you. Not even family bonds, friendships, relationships, no more than material possessions here on earth. I preach to you, Jesus redefines the meaning of family. And we'll pay attention first to his natural family, secondly to his spiritual family, and thirdly the consequences of this redefinition. Seeing we have two baptisms in this service, very often at baptism time, we do focus more on our family bonds and extended families and so on. And that's good, but also that we have to sometimes redefine through the scriptures. So first of all, we speak about Jesus' human family. Shortly before our text, the family of Jesus was also mentioned. We read that in verses 20 and 21. So big a crowd followed Jesus wherever he went that he and his disciples were not even able to sit down to eat. Many followed him. Many were curious. Many wanted him to heal the sick. And in the meantime, the leaders of the people were after him and they wanted him to stop all of that. And then his family became very concerned, as we read in verse 21, when his family heard about this, and that he didn't even have the opportunity to rest and eat anymore. 
Then his family went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. They were very concerned about their son, their brother. They wanted to take charge of him. They wanted to bring him back into the safe environment of their home in the small town of Nazareth, far away from all these crowds. Well, then there was that whole episode with the teachers of the law, with their condemning charges, that he did all these things, casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And then Jesus gave that serious warning for the sin of which there is no forgiveness. At that point, Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. And the way Mark relates the events, it seems clearly connected with what was said in verse 21. Namely, that they, the family, wanted to take charge of him thinking that he has gone insane, therefore he needs to be protected. He therefore cannot take care of himself. What do we really know about Jesus' family? Well, we all know who his mother was, namely Mary. We also know about his father, Joseph, who is not mentioned again after the time that he went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast when Jesus was 12 years old. Did he already die when Jesus began his ministry at the age of 30? We also know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he asked the disciple John to take care of his mother and that John from that time took her into his home. Everything seems to indicate that Joseph died before Jesus began his public ministry. We do hear that Jesus had brothers as well as sisters. In Mark 6 we read that when people were wondering who Jesus was, they said to each other, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? John, however, tells us that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him and later even provoked, challenged him to do his miracles in public and show himself to the world. Some of them did change. James became a solid believer and even the leader of the congregation in Jerusalem. As you will know, the, the Roman Catholic Church teach, teaching about Jesus' family is that he did not have brothers and sisters. Once having elevated Mary to that very high position of being without sin and nearly divine herself, it was impossible to think of her having other children with Joseph. Texts that speak about his brothers are then in, reinterpreted and claim to mean that they were only cousins or perhaps half-brothers, sons of Joseph from another marriage, or simply a general term for relatives. 
However, there is no reason to interpret any different than simply recognizing that Jesus did grow up in a family and that there was a strong bond within that family as well. After all, even now, he is over 30 years old. The family still comes to take charge of him when they had concluded that he must be out of his mind. And Jesus accepted this bond of the natural human family. As a child at the age of 12, he obeyed his parents even when they misunderstood his task and his commitment to his heavenly father. His mother never seems far away from him. And at the wedding of, of uh, at Cana, she attempts to be the contact person between the people and him. And Jesus took care of her even when he himself was dying on the cross. Jesus taught children to honor and obey their parents, parents to be loving, caring parents, bringing their children up in the fear of the name of the Lord. Yet when the people as well as his family members assumed that they had special privileges, special access to Jesus because they were his close relatives, he does not give them that special treatment. As a matter of fact, it's, it seems as if he is giving them the cold shoulder, as we read in our text. Jesus inside a house with a large crowd of people, amongst them his disciple as well. The house is packed. And then Jesus' mother and brothers arrive. Standing outside, they send someone in to call him. And people obliged. They were also of the opinion that his mother and his brothers had or should have special privileges. Especially in a country and culture where family ties are very strong and where respect for parents goes much further than what we are often used to. So from this little family group standing outside, word is passed on through the crowd inside and reaches Jesus. Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. The people would have readily excused him for attending to these family matters, and they would even have expected that. But then Jesus comes with an unexpected and actually a shocking question. Who are my mother and my brothers? As if he had disowned them. As if that family bond had come to an end. Or anyways, had to be questioned. But that is not the point. Jesus takes this opportunity to teach them and us a lesson, namely to redefine the term family and stress what relations ought to have our priority. 
to teach us what and who comes first, what is most important. Jesus is making all things new, and he's gathering around himself a new family, a spiritual family. And that's the second point to pay attention to is spiritual family. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Well, the answer would have been simple. They're the ones with whom we lived in Nazareth, the ones who are now standing outside the door waiting for him to leave the crowd in the house and come outside to talk to them. They're the ones who are claiming him right now. Even one who says, take charge of him and probably seek to protect him. But by asking the question, who are my mother and my brothers, Jesus is teaching them another reality, another relationship that surpasses that of natural family. There is a spiritual family forming around him, which is a bond that goes beyond that of a human family. Who are my mother and brothers? And then Jesus looked at those who were sitting around him in that house and he said, these are my mother and my brothers. Well, there were his disciples there, but since the house is jam-packed, there obviously are many more. And from these people, there's a new relationship being established with Jesus and through Jesus with his Father, who, whose will he came to do here on earth. There's a new family forming now that Jesus' ministry has begun publicly. He's now working full-time for his Father in heaven, gathering together all those with whom he forms the family of God. His human family still counts, but they can be part of that new family <coughs> only in as far as they also belong to this new family, this new relationship. And then Jesus also defines who belongs to this new spiritual family. <coughs> Whoever does God's will, he said, is my brother and sister and mother. Or as Luke puts it, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. There is a higher unity, a stronger bond that surpasses that of earthly relationships, that goes beyond the bond of blood relationship, beyond that of ethnic relationships. It is a spiritual family. It's a spiritual nation, a spiritual Israel that is forming around Jesus Christ. And what creates that bond? Who is adopted into that family? All who do God's will, Jesus says. <clears throat> Note well how Jesus emphasizes again that it must be a 
doing God's will. Not just knowing it, not just hearing it, not just confessing it, but doing it. Even as Jesus himself, as he said, came to do God's will. My food and drink is to do the will of my heavenly Father. And God's will is that we believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, that we follow his example in a life of total obedience and commitment to the heavenly Father. A new family is being formed. There is a true communion of saints, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that is a superior relationship to being related by flesh and blood. It is brought about by the Holy Spirit <coughs> with much stronger ties, more satisfying, more demanding, far more dear. Yes, it is an eternal relationship. The family of God which will also dwell on the new earth. Note well, however, that obedience to the Lord is the chief sign of this relationship in and through God. Whoever does God's will, whoever hears the word and practices it, Jesus identifies this new family by their response to him and his deeds when he sees uh, when he sees that they live, practice the word, don't only hear it, but also do it. Our ties amongst each other are strong when we live in obedience to the Lord. But as we also so often notice, when members of this new family live in disobedience, the ties among them seem to be getting weaker as well. The fullness of this new spiritual family is only experienced when we all live in obedience to the Lord, in worship and in service. When you travel around and meet relatives, like we do in a service like this too, but also when you travel and meet relatives you haven't seen for decades, maybe in other countries, you often seem to discover that somehow you do feel related. There's a tie, there's a bond. There are similarities, either in looks or mannerisms. And that is good. We all want and need a sense of belonging. It can also happen when you're traveling around that you meet total strangers whom you discover to be sincere Christians who also want to serve the Lord, who also find their joy in his service, then there's also immediately a bond, a recognition of each other as being of the same family, the same spiritual family. And you know that that is a bond that will last forever. Now when you travel, that's maybe a discovery but at home, you have this all the time in your own congregation, in your federation of churches, 
and beyond other churches that we are affiliated with. These bonds between brothers and sisters are lasting and they're superior bonds to those of your family ties and therefore family ties should never get in the way of that superior relationship. And this brings us to the consequences of this redefinition of family by Jesus. Now, the immediate consequences for Jesus' mother and brothers would have been an invitation to, uh, uh, to join the crowd, listen to his words. They can now be in a different relationship to their son and brother than they were before. A much deeper, much richer relationship. Being included in the spiritual family of God, hearing God's words, doing His will by recognizing and accepting Jesus as their Savior, as the one who made God's will known to them, who came to offer perfect obedience in their place. But it's also had consequences for His disciples. And they had also drawn them, as we heard in Mark 10. Peter told the Lord, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. And that included family and relatives, as well as we, as we may conclude from Jesus' answer. When Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. There may be times, brothers and sisters, and occasions when we have to leave those whom we love that we have to break up earthly relationships with people we do care for because of this new family, the family of God, the family that Jesus made us members of. And sometimes that can mean difficult choices. My thoughts go, for example, to a David who loved his son Absalom so much that he wanted to protect him, even when Absalom acted against God's will and meant to harm God's people. That blood bond between David and Absalom spoke stronger than the spiritual bond in God's family and his people. Family ties are a real blessing but they may never stand in the way of the much stronger bond we have in the Lord. Also, as we experience it in life together as a congregation, a gathering of members of this new family. And neither may we establish relationships and friendships that would hinder us in doing God's will or showing ourselves, hinder us to show ourselves to be members of the family of Jesus Christ. 
We should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, as Paul says, because that would be a hindrance. That would be an obstacle to enjoy all the blessings for being part of this new family. Our family ties here on earth are very important to us. And we will go to great length to keep the family together, to keep harmony in a family. But if everything is centered around that family, that can become idolatry too. When we tolerate sinful lifestyles of our children, and when we allow them to do things in our home which are against God's will, only for the sake of keeping the family together, keeping the peace, loyal to our human family, can easily stand in the way of our commitment and experience in the spiritual family, which surpasses that of our human family by far. I read somewhere that every earthly loyalty, if it becomes central, becomes idolatry. Because loyalty must always serve the greater and superior relationships that Christ has established with his believers. And we must be willing to sacrifice everything and everyone for the sake of being a good disciple, a good disciple following Jesus. The Lord also assured us in Mark 10 that we will not really suffer for it. We will not lose, be losers by being loyal to him. When Jesus says, no one who has left everything will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. Now you're part of this new family, the communion of saints. And you receive many brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. And you will also receive what you need to live and serve the Lord. It will not be a loss, it will be a gain. Not only after this life, but also during this life, as Jesus assured us in this present age. Brothers and sisters, may this redefinition and this realignment of relationship and values also be visible and enjoyed in the life of each one of us. Remember, with God, all things are possible, Jesus said in this context. It is the Holy Spirit who works this renewal in our hearts and who enables us to live this new, this higher life with his new and everlasting values. Amen.